Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Two years ago today, six Bay Area counties issued a coordinated shelter-in-place order. Most of us can distinctly remember where we were when that happened— I was getting ready to move out of my apartment in San Francisco and delayed the move just to see how everything was going to play out. Days turned into weeks, into months, and, well, you know what happened. There are many things from that time that we'd all probably like to forget. The empty grocery store shelves, the eerie quiet streets, all that toilet paper. But maybe you're like me. There are some things that we want to hold on to and remember for whatever reason. I have a collection of voice memos that I recorded in those early days, documenting what I was feeling, what was changing around me, and what was changing about me. Hopefully, they'll always be preserved. Today, I'm joined by Chronicle reporter Annie Weinstein, who spoke to Bay Area residents who share my sentiment. They've held on to objects and mementos that remind them of that transformative time. Some of them are quirky, maybe a little weird, and some of them are a bit painful. Annie's here to share some of their stories. Annie, thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I love the angle of your story marking two years of the pandemic. What are the artifacts that people are holding on to from that period of their lives? What kinds of responses did you get? What were people trying to remember? So I think for a lot of people, holding on to a certain object almost just happened. You know, I don't think a lot of people set out to really collect something or to preserve it. But but in sort of being asked that question, we're reminded of the objects that now surround them in their, in their homes or in their work environments. And so I got a fair amount of responses. And I will say that a large portion of the responses were people sharing that they had saved their fabric masks. That seemed to be a really big one, mm-hmm. maybe the first one that they ever bought or the first one that they ever made or the first one that a loved one sent to them. But I got a lot of other responses too. And, you know, someone mentioned an apple that they bought on the way back from Death Valley and the week that Tom Hanks got COVID, which I think was a pretty (laughs) significant um, flashpoint of the pandemic. I remember where I was when when I found out that he got COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and also people who had, you know, saved tickets from the things that they did during quarantine, you know, camping passes and parking tickets and, and registrations and that sort of thing. So I do think a lot of it was kind of subconscious, but now people are finding themselves sifting through all the things that they've collected. Wait, to back up, someone saved an apple, like a like a moldy apple? Yeah, yeah. And it's not, you know, that's not the first time I've heard about people saving food items from the pandemic. And I think a lot of it was like, you know, people came back to work um, a year into shelter in place and found out that they hadn't thrown out an apple. Wow. I still have all the dried goods and cans that I bought during that frenzy at the start of the pandemic but definitely no moldy apples. 
you know, speaking of that anxiety, when the first lockdown order came down, many of us became obsessed with disinfecting everything, like wiping down our groceries. I'm guilty of that one. You spoke to a woman named Joni Binder who had an interesting story about her first encounter with that cleaning frenzy. What was her artifact? Yeah, so Joni lives in San Francisco, and when when she reached out to me, her story just really stuck out in my mind. Um, And so her artifact was an airplane-sized bottle of craft-distilled vodka that she was given, um, given by a flight attendant on a trip that she met. Um, She was on a plane coming back to San Francisco just before shelter in place in February. And she was talking to this flight attendant, and then the woman warned her about a virus that she had heard about. This one flight attendant, because I had gotten up to stretch, and she pulled me into the galley, and she said, sort of secretly leaned in and said, listen, my brother is part of the security detail for uh, someone very high up in the State Department. I won't say who. And she said they have canceled all of the international travel because of this virus you may have heard about. She said, it's really bad. And she said, Purell's not going to kill it. Nothing's going to kill it. She said, take this bottle of vodka. And she handed me this little bottle and go into the bathroom and get some paper towels and tissues and wipe down everything. She said, wipe down your seat, wipe down this tray table, wipe down your seatbelt, wipe down and don't talk to anyone else. She said, because it's, it's going to hit really hard. They're just not, they're not really telling us everything yet. And so that was the first sort of cold water in my face reality of what was to come. And I just, I did exactly what she said, but it only took half a bottle of vodka to wipe everything down. I didn't speak to anyone else during the flight. I came home when I was unpacking, I put it on my vanity in my bathroom and it never left. It's just sat there sort of as a it just felt like a something that shouldn't be thrown away. It's interesting because I still have these big canisters of Clorox wipes from the start of the pandemic. They're in my kitchen. And when I look at them, sometimes I sort of smirk because I think about that time when we thought we had to wipe everything down. Why does Joni want to hold on to that little bottle of vodka? I think the... Holding on to the bottle of vodka isn't so much holding on to the memories of of cleaning and the frenzy, like you said, that we were all in. But I think it's more so a portal for her to that to that mental moment, um, the time before she really knew anything about the virus, before anxiety about the virus was something that she would think about and would come to sort of define um, her and and our lives. Um, and so that moment for her. Dis, you know, distilled, I guess, so to speak, in this bottle of vodka. I think it really is more so about remembering um, that change and and remembering the significance of that moment, and but also the humanity she mentioned. I look at it and I think about that flight attendant. That's all. I think about how kind she was and like what a act of humanity it was. I think that she probably would have given it to everyone on the plane, but. Um, I don't think she wanted to cause a scare. I love those gestures of, to, to strangers, right? Just a real kindness. And I, I, um, that's what it makes me feel more than anything. It's great that Joni was able to find a positive meaning to that bottle. Let's talk about another artifact. 
Annie, we just worked on an episode about the end of the mask mandate in schools. We chatted with a bunch of sixth graders who thought masks were still important, even though lots of people are so done with them. Tell me about Michael Garcia, someone else you spoke to. He's been memorializing his mask use in an unconventional way, right? Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. So Michael Garcia, he's a resident of San Jose. Um, He had a very interesting artifact. Um, He has saved more than 200 masks um, that he's worn over the course of the pandemic in a very large glass jar. So this object is a gallon-sized canning jar that you might use to make pickles or something like that. And he described the jar as as quite heavy and, and also quite gross when he really thinks about, um, you know, all of the sort of biological mechanisms and, um, you know, hidden forces that are gathering and building on each other inside of that jar. More about that gross jar after a quick break. We'll also meet a woman who found a unique way to grieve the loss of her mother and husband during the pandemic. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Before the break, Chronicle reporter Annie Weinstein told us about San Jose resident Michael Garcia, who has kept almost every mask he's worn since the start of the pandemic in a glass jar. Michael knows what you're probably thinking about that. I have incredibly mixed feelings about it, and I would fully expect there's Probably if this is going to be a podcast, I can guarantee you there's going to be some segment like 10% of your listeners are going to turn it off and immediately write you and be like, this is disgusting. How dare you put this into my ears? But he shared it with you. I mean, that is, I mean, that's an interesting thing to do. Did he explain why? What did it mean for him to collect all those masks and see them in a big jar like that? You know, I think it just kind of started as a compulsion and Mm. maybe some of us can relate to, um, for some reason, having difficulty just throwing things away or finding that we've amassed, you know, a mountain of sort of like things, especially things that are otherwise mundane. Um, But I think as the jar started to fill and started to become heavier and and in some cases grosser, I think that it, it started to kind of create its own sense of scale that um, that for him made him really think about um, that sense of scale of, of suffering and of anxiety and, and of heaviness that that has come to define these last two years. I don't know if I'm imagining this, but I feel like there's strata involved here where like I can tell where the summer was, where the outside of your mask would get all messed up from the smoke. Yeah, I mean, I guess sort of like in collecting this weird, gross material towards an art project, it sort of just like became, you know, an art project in and of itself. He also, I should mention, was really and has been very inspired by the work of the artist David Ireland, a San Francisco conceptual artist who is is known in part for his collections of mundane and ordinary kind of household objects. Like he collected a jar full of dust um, from his home and and things like that. Mm -hmm. We, of course, can't talk about 
a two-year anniversary of the pandemic without also talking about grief. The U.S. is quickly approaching one million COVID deaths, which is something that's going, it's just really hard for us to wrap our heads around. Uh, tell me about a woman you met who found an interesting way to manage her own grief after her mother and her husband died during the pandemic. Her name is Diane Janney. She's from um, the North Bay, but she's been living temporarily in Paradise Valley in Arizona, taking care of a friend who's going through chemotherapy. But her object is a glass orb um, that contains a, a mixture of, of a portion of both her mother and her husband's ashes. Um, and, you know, she described this orb it's smooth to the touch and it's colorful and she keeps it next to her pretty much at all times lit up, especially during the night. At night, I listen to my music, to my song, and I watch the globe and the colors that it provides on the ceiling. And I get great comfort in that, that he's with me. I, I do feel sometimes we all grieve in different ways. It just takes time. After losing them, I was quite despondent because I felt I had no purpose. And um, and it was very, very difficult. My, my husband was my inspiration for my art. He was the biggest cheerleader I had. And, uh, and my mother, I was grateful to have those few years at the end of her life to be with her. Never had a difficult day except when they were when they were going through the process of dying, that was hard. She says that it's that it's lit up and next to her 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it's it's been a very, I think, tangible and comforting reminder for her of, of the roles that they played in her life and her kind of continuing connection to them, even after they're not physically here with her. And I think that when we pass on to the next life, people are concerned about our ashes or our bodies and what happens to them. And when you see a globe full of color and brightness, it makes you feel a happiness to know that you have contributed to this, this life. You've been part of it. So, Annie, we've been talking about the ways that different Bay Area residents are holding on to some things in the pandemic. There's a wide variety of responses that you got from jars of masks to uh, glass orbs. So I have to ask you, is there something that you've held on to from the early days of the pandemic that you still have in your hands? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, You know, I've been thinking about this over the last few weeks as I report this piece. Um, And I think that the one or set of objects that kind of continue to come to mind are, um, I, I have in my medicine cabinet, which is, you know, overflowing with lots of things that I don't need and that are expired. I have, um, you know, variety of, of allergy medication like Zyrtec and, um, Allegra and Pepsid. And, and I think, you know, in just looking at it, like people might think, oh, this is just kind of your run of the mill allergy medication to keep in your medicine cabinet. But for me, it really makes, I mean, it's hard not to look at those medications and remember um, the time in the pandemic where, 
it was right at the very be- beginning of the pandemic, like April 2020. Um, I started getting these full body hives all over my body. And I was waking up in the middle of the night with, you know, lips blown up like four times the size. I had no idea what was happening to my body. And I didn't connect it to the fact that um, I was under a lot of stress um, and that my body was kind of bearing the brunt of all of that. So I, I thankfully don't have any of those symptoms anymore. And, and I think when I look at, I guess there's a part of me that, you know, again, has really no need for those medications and they may be expired by now, but I, I do think that there is a possibility that I wouldn't throw them away because they, they really hold a lot of meaning and, and memory for me, even if it's a particularly painful one. Mm-hmm. And I think it also probably, and I would imagine this is the case for a lot of the people you spoke to, it's a way to just remember how far we've come to. I mean, if we think back to that moment of hopelessness and stress, we couldn't imagine where we would be two years later. Um, and it's nice mm-hmm. to know we've landed in hopefully a better place. Yeah, that's a really good way to think about it. Yeah. Annie, thank you so much for chatting with me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Annie Weinstein is a reporter for The Chronicle. Her story about pandemic artifacts will be published on Thursday. You can find it in print and online at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. You'll learn more about other artifacts that people have held on to, and be sure to check out the photos. Thanks to King Kaufman for editing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs>